Well, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Jacob Cotton. I'm the host of Doors Within Us, and this is the first of many, um, actually eleven um, uh, conversations with some really amazing builders of Africa Futures 2022 cohort uh, participants, and it's a collaboration between Doors Within Us podcast and African Diaspora Networks um, Builders of Africa Futures uh, program, and. I'm really honored and it's such a privilege to have with me today the first of many leaders of Africa's future uh, um, opening this series. Uh, her name is, I, please forgive me if I don't pronounce the right, but her name is Hayen Sinta Toyoko. Did I do it right? It's okay, don't worry. <laughs> so, please, 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 just give me the right uh, pronunciation. Now I'm from Africa, I need to be able to pronounce African names. So. <laughs> it's Hyacinta Ntuyeko. Hyacinta Ntuyeko. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, have to, I have to try, I have to try. And she is the CEO of Alcasoli Secrets. And uh, it's such an honor to have you here. Um, we, I was lucky enough to attend the... Uh, one of the intros of the Builders of Africa Futures Call 2022. And uh, it was just really incredible, the stories that were there, the people that have been selected for this cohort. And it's such an honor to meet someone like you and learn about your personal story. So um, thanks for being here on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. And one thing that we just want to open is just, uh, can you just talk a little bit about you know I, I you know before the podcast started you no know, those behind the scenes we talked about you told me you came from Tanzania can you just tell us about Tanzania whether you grew up there just like some background story or childhood experience uh, growing up in if you grew up in Tanzania but just your background and how you came to Tanzania uh, as a side all right yeah thank you so much Jacob um, as you said uh, my name is Haisinta Tuyeko. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Castle Secrets. I was born and raised in Tanzania uh, in a region called Dodoma. Dodoma is in the center of uh, it is the center of the country and it's actually the capital city uh, of the country. So I am the second born out of four uh, children. Uh, I had two brothers and two uh, and I have two brothers and one young sister. Um, I would say like how I grew up, uh, I was, uh, I was born, uh, in a family of father and mother together. And then, uh, challenges occurred at the age of seven. Uh, they had to, uh, go different ways. Yes. So we ended up being raised by mother, mm. myself from that age throughout, uh, I could say my adolescence and now I'm an adult so I'm just uh, depending on myself okay. so I, I I would say that um, I remember my mom being a very uh, very very strict mother very strict mother <laughs> <laughs> I knew and, I knew it's gonna go over there it had to be it has to be a strict mother you know because the way you <laughs> out mom had to be strict <laughs> very strict mother and I really I know always when I look back on how uh, she raised the four of us I always feel so proud of her because I know uh, because she was so strict and that's how uh, 
I could say myself, I became who I am today. Yes. And also I learned to appreciate life. You know, uh, my mom ended up being, uh, not being employed. So she ended up doing small, small business to support us study and uh, run our day-to-day life. And at some point I have to help her. Uh, sometimes I had to cut my other activities and help her with small business. And I could say that that really helped me to really appreciate life. But also as, as a grown up now, I understand what, uh, what kind of struggle she was going through to raise all four of us. Yes, yes. So uh, as, as, as a young child, my dad, my dad was a pilot by training. And I remember when I was having this opportunity living with dad and mom under the same roof, I was really wanted to be uh, a pilot too. Mm-hmm. That was something that I really wanted because I was looking at my dad and I was like, I want to be like him. Yes. So I, I, I was having this mentality of being a pilot, but after separation, I think somewhere in between, I kind of lost that kind of... Um... <laughs> aspiration. <laughs> yeah, that kind of aspiration. But what I, what, what, what I kept pursuing is... Uh, studying science. So I went to all public schools from form one to form six. And I did, I, I did my science subject um, and I, I really liked uh, science. But after my university, after my high school, I felt like, oh, I'm so tired of science. I felt like so overwhelmed with science, so overwhelmed. And then at that point, I was like, ah, I just want to drop science and all these things. But again, I was being supported by my uncle in my school fees and all other things. And my uncle happened to be a medical doctor. And he, he couldn't believe on any career other than science. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I wanted to do engineering, and that was something that I always uh, wanted to do. Yep. Of course, the pilot thing just disappeared, <laughs> but I wanted to be an engineer. That was the thing. And my uncle was uh, like nurturing me towards that career. But after my high school, I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do any, any, any science subject. I just want to do business. Mm-hmm. I, wanted, I want to do uh, business administration do my bachelor into that area and my uncle was completely 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 against that it was like no 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 no. you cannot do business it cannot take you anywhere engineering is your thing it can feed your children uh your mom like your mom uh, now uh, wants you to support her back so Mm -hmm. when you go with this kind of for her for him he did not consider business as a career. He said, like, anybody can do business. Exactly. So get a concrete kind of course, and then you can do that maybe in your MBA or something. But for me, I wanted to do business. But my uncle was so, so, so bitter, and he didn't, he didn't let me do that. Yeah. Then I decided to do engineering. <laughs> so, <I went. laughs> so you folded. Yeah. That so when. I think yeah. you folded. You folded. You went with your uncle's uh, um, recommendation at that time, right? Do you yes, decide to yeah. do engineering? Yeah. So I decided to do engineering because uh, my my uncle also. And you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's right if I say in African culture. Oh, it's right when I come down and say in my own 
community, my own family, yep. I just found myself that uh, being like my mom was into the position of always being able to support us to yep. go to school. Yep. And then her relatives were kind of step up into it, especially when they see a child is doing very good in school. Yes. So for me, going to school, I was being supported by, by, by my uncle. I could say my uncle was supporting like 90%. Yes. And then the other members were supporting like 10% of my, uh, my school fees and all these things that is needed. But again, when it's come for the career choice, mm-hmm. I found that my career choice was falling on the responsibility of these people who yes. were supporting me. So they were so vocal on knowing what I want than me telling them what I want. Exactly. So I just found myself like, okay, uh, these are the people who have invested in me. So I have to follow what they have, like they're advising. So anyways, cut the story short. I went to engineering. (laughs) I did my engineering and I performed uh, very, very well. I was like among those top performers uh, in university. I graduated with my first class degree and all these things. Such an active student, very, very active. But again, after my university, uh, and through this period of adolescence toward going to university, I was having this one big challenge that I used to go through. And this was the challenge on menstruation. Mm. So I, I... I'm a kind of, I could say like me growing up, I used to be that kind of child who is very, very, very active. Yes. Like when you see me quiet, hiding in the corner, you have to know that this child is not okay. Very, (laughs) very, very active. So when I I reached puberty, I started getting the menstrual cramps. Yes. And these menstrual cramps were things that uh, I couldn't understand very well because that time they're coming very strong. They're sometimes they disappeared. And mm-hmm. sometimes I even don't understand why I have to go through this kind of uh, craziness, pain. So I used to ask a lot, like, why this thing is happening? Why, 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 why? You know? And without knowing, me asking, it was something that was not acceptable. Like, it's like you're exposing your things, like you're letting people know you're in a business. That's the thing that you have to hide for yourself. Yeah. But for me, I didn't, I didn't know that. But all, all, all that I wanted, I wanted to know why. Just like, why am I going through this thing? Exactly. But maybe nobody was, was knowing why. But I remember one day when I was asking, one of my relatives was very, very scolding me and told me, like, every woman is going through it. And there's no point of you talking to everybody. Why why are you advertising your things? Keep quiet. <laughs> the moment you have your first child, you'll be fine. So that's the thing. And then I, re- I reached a point, I said, like, okay, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to share it. So I went through my O-level to A-level education with this kind of challenge. Yes. And I said, like, there's nothing that I can do exactly. about it. Exactly. And then uh, when I went to university and I started engineering, that's the time another challenge kind of added up. And this was the quality of the menstrual product that I was using. Mm. And through my O-level to A-level, I was in boarding school. Yes. So it was easier for me to go back to dormitory, come back to uh, to the class. So it was very easy for me to manage. So I, I didn't notice much about the quality rather yeah. than the cramps. 
-hmm. But when I went to university, I found myself in a situation which is which was very tough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I, uh, I was in a class whereby we were only four girls, and the rest of the of, of, of the classmates were men, and I went in a, in, in in a course whereby we we had to spend much of the time outside. And even the coursework, everything. So I did telecommunication engineering. So sometimes you have to go all the way to the hills, back to the forest, climbing the towers. So when you're in your periods, those products cannot really accommodate you. They bust. They make you feel like, oh. and sometimes you, you are in a place where you feel like you can't change. Okay. There's not even a facility for you to change. Exactly. And you're given a task which needs a lot of your attention. For instance, like uh, we were, I remember those days in school when we go to the site visit, uh, we were troubleshooting these transmission systems. And these transmission systems, when the, back, the backbone is down, it kind of makes the whole network down. So you really have to work hard to, uh, to, to give back uh, the network. Exactly. At least to... Uh, so that's, that's, that's the kind of work with a lot of stress. So yes. Mind, like, who are these people who are making this kind of product? Exactly. I'm kind of busy. Kind of, was my very first question, asking myself, who are yep. these people who are yep. making these products? Exactly. That for a person like me, who is supposed to, uh, let's say, go to site visit, in the rural areas, spend exactly. a lot of time traveling, and after reaching to that place, there's not any uh, kind of uh, facilities to support me change whatever I want to change. But even if when I got a facility to change, when I go maybe climbing the tower or doing whatever work that I'm supposed to do, all my mind is on the product that I'm using because uh, it is not uh, accommodating me in a way. And this is the field where you're surrounded by men. And when you stain yourself, you kind of feel like yes. it's the end of the world. Yes. And you, you, you have to wear a trouser. It's not like you can wear any other kind of clothes because you have to wear a trouser to accommodate you very well when you climb up there, up there. So that was very first question that I had, who are these people making this kind of product? What is their mind at? Uh, what are their like what are their customers that they're targeting? Like are they targeting people who are sleeping at home? Or are they targeting these women who always travel and most of the time do not have access to this kind of thing? So after my university, I said I want to be part of the solution. So Straight from my university, I joined to entrepreneurship. Yep. And I started by selling sanitary pads and cosmetics. Yep. And these are the products that I was uh, getting uh, from Kenya, Nairobi. Mm -hmm. uh, and getting from there and selling it here. So I started with uh, 30 uh, US dollars in 2010. So wow. 30 years ago in 2010, that is like when I convert in two shillings, it's not a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So I started with that and I started as a matching woman, uh, walking around with my little bag, okay. packing in all the products that I have. 
mm-hmm. selling it in the street. And then one of the aha moments that I got when I was selling these products in the street, first I realized that I'm a very uh, good salesperson. Yes. And I realized that I can really uh, put up with challenges and keep pushing. So those are the two things that I realized about myself that I did not know. Okay. But another thing that I realized, I realized that my challenge was much more of the quality of the product. Mm-hmm. But when I was going to the field, I realized that women had more challenges. Like the quality of product was solving only a certain percent of the many challenges that women were, were facing. Okay. So, um, and that real, uh, I could say that that was something that real made me continue pushing from 2010 up to date as an entrepreneur because I could see the struggle of women. And when I'm talking about women, I'm not talking, I'm talking about, you know, I started this business when I was like 25 years, 24 years. Mm. And by then, by then, by that time, I could, I could meet women who I could call them mothers, mm-hmm. but they were telling me the challenges. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> and even how these things translate their marriage life. And I was like, this is, and I don't have any background in medical. And I didn't know how to, 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 to advise them. So this is something that made me continue to be into the field, trying to see what are the other things that are bothering these women? What are the solutions that we are able to bring on table? Yep. So three years down the line, working as a solo proprietor, building my uh, capital, uh, the other thing will be the story for other time. But I could say that <laughs> I was not able to be trusted. Mm-hmm. And this started from my family. No one would want it to support me anyhow because it was like, you went to school, you had this very good degree, you performed very well. You've been even at, you've been even invited to stay back to university and teach in the university. Mm-hmm. And now you're doing these things that we even don't understand. It's a shame. <laughs> you know, so they didn't want to support me anyway financially, but also they did not believe that it is possible to finish university and go straight to entrepreneurship. Yes. For them, I remember my uncle told me again, my uncle came back again and told me again, you know what, how about you work at least for, for 50 years, you get that security, they call like those things they're getting after retire or something. Uh, this and then you don't have capital to start. But for me, I didn't see myself to that road at all, at all. And this time, nobody was able to convince me to do what they want. Yeah. So it was a lot of chaos in the funnel. That's what I'm saying. Let's talk for another day. But again, back to the main point is um, three years after being able to raise capital, after being able to understand the market and see what is it that I wanted to do, okay. I founded this company, uh, which is called Casole Secrets. Yes. And Casole is my traditional name. Uh, mm-hmm. means something tiny and beautiful. Mm. and secrets is secrets so i believe that i always have some tiny tiny beautiful secrets that i could always share with people maybe to inspire them to be entrepreneurs i love that i love that name please go ahead um no just before you talk a little bit about uh casual secrets uh one i love your story you know it takes a village to raise a child um i love the fact that um you you went ahead and 
you you continue to um to build a, a really just a really amazing company uh despite the challenges that comes with um you know family culture you know and you know you just that fortitude you know you said the resilience and just being a good salesperson i think that's that's something that a lot of people just have to hear about it and just you who you are right you you saw the problem that people might see all the time you know young this young um uh, engineering women or pe- women that go and work in the fields you saw a problem and said i have to make a difference and that's something that i'm really um you know really is really inspiring i mean that's why you're here for better so africa's future right you, you know you're very resilient and I, i'm just really impressed with just how far you've gone and how much more you can do with those two qualities right resilience and being a good salesperson, I think it's part of being a success. But I'll let you continue, please. And uh, one thing that I would love you to talk about is just about the company, right? Castle Secrets, um, what you guys are doing now, and how you guys are building the the, the company to to encompass all the different challenges that women may face uh, and in their day to day life experience, right? So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that, uh, that'll be that'll be great. All right, thank you so much. So uh, in 2013, I founded this company, Casoli Secrets. And the main thing that Casoli Secrets was doing is, um, so I stopped, I stopped doing uh, importing parts from Nairobi, Kenya to Tanzania. And the reason why I, I, I stopped was the fact that uh, during that time of this political instability in Kenya, that so much Al-Shabaab attack everywhere, and then uh, my supplier in Kenya said like the business environment is not friendly and uh, he decided to shut down the business. For me, it was a major blow. Uh, and, and because of him deciding to shut the business, at the time I decided to think differently and think like I can do it myself. I don't have to wait and depend for supply in Kenya who is having his own vision and mission, which I don't know, yeah. and invest all this amount of energy. As you know, I invested a lot, a lot, a lot. I, 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 and I put my money, my energy, even I, 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 I risked my family for this business because nobody understood me. Yeah. I had kind of separate from them because every time when I talk to them, they feel like I'm a bit confused because they think the dream I was having was not the realistic dream. Yes. So when this uh, supply in Kenya uh, shut down the business, for me, it was a major, major blow because as I told you, I lived in, in I was born and raised in Dodoma and that's where my family is. I moved to this city in the Islam because of school and then decided to remain here because of business. So I was on my own taking care of all the expenses, already have an office, hired one person to help me out with the business. And now this business is shutting down mm. with all the chaos and all the bad relationship I've created with whoever was adv- advising me for good. Mm-hmm. So that was a big, 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 big blow for me, very major one. Mm-hmm. So I was spending much of my frustration and my energy finding what else can I do for myself? I did not see myself going back to employment because I already know what I wanted mm-hmm. and I already know what kind of person I am. And yeah. I knew that if I would have worked for myself, I would have gone so far than being working for somebody. Yeah. 
So I spend much of my time researching, finding out what are the things that I can do for myself. And I really wanted to, to, to do sanitary pads because pads for me, I like that quality of those pads. I not see myself going back to using those poor quality pads and all, all, all the things that I would be thinking is what I've worn and kind of work that is on my hand comparing to the product that I'm using to, yeah. So I could say that uh, I spent much of my time researching and at the end of the day, I realized there's a bamboo, uh, there's a bamboo plant which uh, is very medicinal and it has been doing amazing to um, Asian countries in so many ways. So I started researching on bamboo and then I started searching the uh, benefit of bamboo in reproductive health, starting relating with the, uh, with the sanitary parts. But again, this time I was like, I'm going through the cramps a lot. Uh, can bamboo also solve the cramps challenges? But at this time also, uh, in three years of having this business as a store proprietor, I was able to have a number of good customers. The doctors, they were uh, flocking customers to me, especially women who have complications with the menstrual products. So I was, I was having these people around me and then I had people to ask to them. And then at the end of the day, I was like, okay, now I'm going to make parts okay. using bamboo charcoal in both the bamboo in it. So those are the ideas I had, starting doing the designing and all the things. And then now I feel like, yeah, I'm confident enough. I have the product to go with. Okay. Who will produce for me? So when it comes to Tanzania, again, Tanzania, we don't have those skills, don't have uh, the factory to do that. And then that was like, so what can I do? And then I was starting talking to people, telling about the idea I'm having. And then they started referring me. Okay, go to Chinese Chamber of Commerce. I went to Chinese Chamber of Commerce. Oh, uh, we don't do these things. We are dealing with diplomacy and what, what. So we can do business, the summit business in China. We don't want to get into that route. Yeah. And now, okay, go to Tanzania uh, Chamber of Commerce. Then I went to Tanzania Chamber of Commerce. Did they say Tanzania Chamber of Commerce? They say Chinese Embassy. Chinese. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I started with Chinese embassy, not Tanzania, not Chinese chamber, Chinese embassy. And that's what they said that they don't do that. And then I was referred to Tanzania Chamber of Commerce. And then the Tanzania Chamber of Commerce was like, okay, we can help you. I think you have a very good idea. We can help you, but don't focus uh, in one specific country. Just open up to whichever country that will help you. Okay. And then I ended up uh, being supported by the Chinese embassy. Who connected me with the factory? They had to go all the way to the factory in China. We are not producing in Tanzania, and visit the factory and see uh, their standards and see how they are there to um, hygiene because the products are natural. And uh, I, I, this time, I really wanted to see by myself and understand these people because I know I know what it takes to invest. And at the end of the day, these people are kind of decided to close down their businesses. Yeah. So that's what I did. And to cut down this, to cut the story short, uh, I managed to have my first consignment of uh, glory pads in Tanzania. We started selling it. And then we continue to uh, upgrade as we collect feedback from the customers. But along with that, I decided also to start the menstrual health and hygiene campaign. Uh Because for me, I saw it firsthand. Uh, There's no knowledge about it. Uh And even those who are having knowledge about it, they feel very uncomfortable sharing this knowledge. Yep. So I started uh, educating menstrual health and hygiene uh, in communities, 
in schools. So I was taking a certain percent of profit that I was getting from my glory cards mm. to the menstrual health and hygiene programs in communities and in schools. Yes. And I realized there was a very huge gap there. Like it was crazy. Like I went even to the private schools and the response I was receiving from girls, I was like, wow, this is uh, unbelievable. So I keep pushing uh, that uh, as as a corporate social responsibility, taking the profit from the blood business to this. And I continue to do it, innovating, coming up with new ideas. How about engaging boys into their gender? How about engaging the gatekeepers? How about developing a curriculum? How about doing this and that and that? Till we became very good in that. Mm-hmm. And then people starting following us and say like, can you train our people on how to train about menstrual and hygiene? Can you uh, develop curriculum for us? Can you share your curriculum with us? And then that was the second aha moment for me that came was like, oh, okay. And these people were willing to pay me. And I was like, oh, okay. So this can be another uh, source of revenue. And that's how in our company, we added another line whereby is consultation on menstrual health and hygiene management, uh, including uh, this developing of this training curriculum. Mm-hmm. So we went that way and we've been getting many customers coming to us and uh, and most of them were NGOs and we're doing it. Mm. And we continued doing our, 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 our campaigns as a corporate social responsibility. But at this time, we got these people who were willing to pay for us. Exactly. And then we went like that. And then to the point, I, I came to a point, I was like, okay, uh, I think the people in the rural areas that they cannot afford disposable parts. Quick on that, uh, I realized that uh, in a village, uh, women and girls cannot really afford the things. Yeah. And the thing, the new idea that I decided to bring into that, because I realized even giving them parts, uh, it's not sustainable because till when are you going to give them these parts? And I tried giving them disposable, giving them reusable. But at the end of the day, you just find like they're back to their normal situation. Like for the reusable parts to give them, they go use, they go share it or somebody take it from another one. And then I was like, it's it's not going to work. So uh, another idea that I brought in it was like training them on how to make their own reusable parts. Exactly. And that's the thing that I started uh, uh, and I, I cooperated in our training programs. Whenever we go training on menstrual health and hygiene, we train them on how to make reusable parts. Mm-hmm. And then it comes on a challenge like, okay, you're training us to make uh, reusable parts. Uh, what are the kind of raw materials? And then I was just trying to find uh, the very common local materials that they can use. At least when you're using these reusable parts, and somebody, your aunt, your mom, your niece, or whoever, yep. take away your parts, you do not need to go and claim it back. Mm-hmm. You go make another one for yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, after, 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 then we started doing that a lot, a lot. And then we received this uh, request, like, can you really train our group of people on how to um, make reusable parts for commercial purposes? Mm. I was like, oh, okay. And then these people are willing to pay us. And then they bring us a group of people who train them on how to make reusable for commercial purposes. Yep. And then it comes like, oh, we, uh, we, like, you know, there is regulations. Now, when you start making things on, for commercial purposes, you have to adhere with the right raw materials, mm. follow up with the standards, the, all the absorption 
and everything. And then all this challenge, like uh, there's no raw materials. Where do they get raw materials? And then I was like, okay, I can provide you raw materials. And then starting providing these people raw materials. So, and this is how I'm, I'm explaining to you just to uh, give you an idea on how we ended up doing these things. Uh, it's because only the uh, requests that we are getting uh, from the uh, from the customers themselves. Exactly. So what we do in Casole is uh, we develop and distribute uh, bamboo in both site disposable sanitary pads. Yes. And then we do uh, sell raw materials for making reusable sanitary pads. But also we do uh, consultation on menstrual health and hygiene management as well as entrepreneurship. There are people who want us to train them on how to be entrepreneurs to be able to reach where they want to reach. And uh, the last thing that we do is supporting innovation around menstrual and hygiene within communities. And we do this by partnering with uh, local and international organizations uh, just to make sure that uh, those innovations at the the community level, they get somebody to to support them at least to grow and see whether they could really be investable or they're not, but supporting this kind of, of innovation. And social impact is at the center of everything uh, we do. So in a summary, uh, that is what we do uh, as Casole Secrets. That's amazing. So look, look how, look at you. Look how far you have gotten. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, um, what I really love about this story is that, you know, as uh, as entrepreneurs, we get to see the highlights. You know, right now you're the builders of Africa's future. Your face is going to be everywhere. I'll be, you'll be on this podcast. And you'll be on many other podcasts. You know, you might end up being, you know, coming to the U.S., a White House correspondent. Many other things, there are many things planned for you and, you know, uh, a bright future. But uh, the, the behind the scenes, like the journey, um, and take you back to from from five from six you know uh or just those doubts that you had those are the struggles like you you persevered throughout those really challenging times when no one knew about you the spotlights were in there but you persevered you built you believed in what you were doing and you created a system um that provided the the resources and also the 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 services um, that led to where you are now, and I think it's just stories that that struggle and how you persevered over it. Um, it's truly beautiful. I think that's the key. Like, if we can really crystallize, and this is what I try to do this podcast to crystallize these challenges for people to not just to feel bad about you, but to also understand that it's part of the process um, to really become who you are now. Like. Where you where you are now is is a combination of those doubts, insecurity, but also the perseverance, the persistence, and also the the importance of how you build a business. Right, you didn't build everything at once. When you're like, oh, I'll start an education company on menstrual health. You you started one problem, the problem led to another problem, the problem led to another problem, and now you you have a whole system based on need, not based on like I want to do this because I found this important. So. Your story is truly, truly, truly inspiring. I'm really getting excited. Goosebumps. <laughs> Goosebumps. <laughs> Thank you. Goosebumps all the way. I'm so, I'm so inspired. I'm so, so inspired. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think just for us to kind of 
a closing session. And I'd love to have you back, you know, after the Beatles Africa feature, or even during the program. The story is still really amazing, just to hear some <laughs> other aspects of it. But one thing I really, um, because you do consulting, right, and you also help people to understand if their business is viable for investment or not. Um, what are some of the advice that you would give uh, to entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs out there who are listening to this podcast or, you know, who look at your story and admire you? What is something that you really encourage them to think about um, before they start a business or, or if they already have a business and they're trying to acquire customers, they're trying to get investment? What are just a few advice or few guidelines that you can help, uh, help them um, to think about? Yeah, so some few guidelines that I would give for anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur, woman, man, young, old, whoever, as long as you want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I would say, like, the first thing is uh, be willing to pay the price. Mm. There is a price for that. And the price. price... (laughs) (laughs) And the price can be very 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 high oh, man. yeah so be willing to pay that price mm. and this price can be the challenges uh that you're facing to build the business that you want to build mm-hmm. uh these prices could be access uh to information access to uh funding anything that you 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 you, you want yep. and the price can even be in terms of knowledge like you really don't know anything about entrepreneurship, but you want to be there. Like yeah. for me, I just, I was just passionate enough to be an entrepreneur, but I did not know anything mm-hmm. about entrepreneurship. I went to school, which they did not teach anything about entrepreneurship. It's uh, like all those hard things like manual work, the other thing that I was trained to do, but I was not taught anything about, uh, 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 about doing business. So I, I I entered into these things blank, completely blank. So I had to learn from, from the mistake. So I could say that, number one, be willing to pay the price. It's the part of the process. Don't feel sad. Don't feel disappointed. Don't feel like you are the unluckiest person in the world. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, why me? Yeah, why me? No, 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 no. That is the part and parcel of being an entrepreneur. You have to pay the price. Um, another thing that I would say is never give up. Mm-hmm. Never give up on trying. Never, never, never give, give up on even pushing forward, regardless on your situation. As long as you know where you want to go, yeah. uh, keep going, keep trying. And whenever, when you find like you 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 have challenge or anything, uh, don't sit back and say like, you know what, I'm not gonna do this. Never give up. Keep doing. You never know. Keep doing. And the third thing that I would say is surround yourself with people who will always build you. Yep. You could have mentors. You could have network. Uh, any 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 anybody who uh, who could sit down with you and encourage you and add value to you yep. so that you could be able to move forward don't 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 want to start a business and go ask somebody who has never even tried once running a business they will always tell you like no 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 and this has been and this has been my 
I learned this hard way. I learned this hard way. I reached a point that I decided to take my little money that was generated from my business to -hmm. pay for a mentor. Mm -hmm. Because because I was getting, like I was sharing this this kind of things with people who love me and these are the friends, Mm -hmm. you know? And when you share this challenge with somebody who loves you, uh, what they see is, why are you struggling? Why are you suffering? Hmm? Why don't you, why don't, so you just find like your friends are so much concerned about your situation to the extent they start searching jobs for you. Yeah. <laughs> because they think that is your solution, the solution you want. And at the end of the day, you just find like, Mm-mm, this is not what I want to hear. I don't want you tell me that I'm suffering. I just want you to tell me, uh, why don't you try this? Yes. Or why don't you look at this angle? Or I know somebody, why don't you go meet somebody? Maybe he will help you do this. Exactly. So I could say like, uh, those are the main three things I could advise to any entrepreneurs. Yes. For me, I had to learn it very hard way. But the moment I figured out, I actually know who to ask uh, yes. when I have my challenges in business. And the family, become, they're just there for family issues, but not... Uh, these things that shock them, make them feel sad and starting finding solutions that are actually not solutions for, for my challenges. I, I, I think that those three key points, it's not just entrepreneurship, but it's in life as well. Um, and, you know, and I, it's, it's so, when you said like, you know, the what you're willing to pay, that hit home for me as well. Um, because it's it's tough. <laughs> it's really tough. <laughs> And the price gets higher and higher and higher. <laughs> it's like when there's, there's no ceiling, it just keeps going. <laughs> and there's no negotiation. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was like, what did I put myself into? And the second point that you raised about like, oh, feeling bad about yourself is so relatable. Like, why me? <laughs> why am I going through this? <laughs> it's like a Nigerian movie. Why am I going through this? But, you start thinking maybe there's some people who are like doing some witchcraft for you, but it's not. You said like maybe I should pray throughout the day, but it's not that. <laughs> like, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is so good. So good. Um, so two last questions. Oh man, this make my money. Two last questions. Um, what would you tell young female, not just entrepreneurs, but like young female, um, you know. Um, just young women who are trying to do something great, right? Look, I think what you're doing, um, you know, it, you know, it comes off like a health-based company, but I think it goes beyond that. It comes with education, it comes with empowerment, it comes with building communities. You know, uh, women in Africa are actually most of the time breadwinners of the family um, because they support the family at the back end, even though sometimes men make more than women, or often men, men make more money than women, but they women are the 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 supportive uh they that they, the support of the family you know they tend out to really put the family together and you know take care of the kids in almost all instances and one thing that um is good for us as a nation and uh, as a continent I was basically as you know Tanzanian nation Cameroonian nation is how do we empower women uh, give them the inspiration and the courage to go ahead and build be change makers what is something that you told uh, young women out there to be thinking about as someone who has done it right yeah you you have that you have paid the price and you keep paying the price right 
<laughs> so if you don't mind sharing, like what are some of the things that you should be thinking about um, for any young African woman who's listening to this podcast uh, or someone who wants to support African women, what should they be uh, thinking about uh, um, um, as they are trying to go ahead, to push ahead? I know I've mentioned some of the cost of what they're willing to pay. Don't feel bad about yourself and find the right people. But as someone, I think you have you have a unique experience, something you can really share that I myself I can share, right? Yeah, you're on the ground and yeah. stuff. So for the women, actually, what I could say for the women is, you know, I'm a woman too. And I could say most of the challenges that uh, women, uh, we are going through, especially into doing bigger things. Uh, I think they're common and uh, unless you're lucky enough to get out of that kind of m- m- mindset. Mm-hmm. So I would, I, I would say uh, we do have, I see two major things for us women that will uh, hold us back. Uh, one thing, we have this tendency of doubting ourselves. Mm-hmm. We doubt ourselves so much to the extent like uh, when somebody is assigning you something to do, like for instance, um, I-, I told you that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a social entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm so... Um, maybe I could say have, let's say, have much skills in marketing, let's say. But if somebody come here and offer me to maybe do consultation on, let's say, uh, let's say, uh, maybe cash flow. Mm. Let's take an example. Like consult on how they could do their cash flow. So if you put two people, like a woman and and a man, a man, even if he doesn't know it, he will say like, I'll do it. Yeah. But for, for me as a woman, I was like, uh, I'm not that much competent to that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an area that um, I'm not well-trained. So I will step back. And this is what I could say that women are real, uh, make find ourselves like it, it, these things hold us back. And I had to learn this even by looking at... Uh, I do employ too, you know, I employ people as well. But every time I ended up like a, a man who's like, I can do this job. And he will convince you to the extent you believe you can do that job. And then you give him this job and just find like he has no idea. <laughs> He's thinking that he can go and learn it and come back and do this job. Mm-hmm. But this woman, when you look and when even hear at her, you 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 say like ah this woman is having much more knowledge compared to this one who took this yeah, job exactly. who does not even understand. So for me, I would say it's, it 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 is a self doubt. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I would advise women is like uh, you don't need to be competent in thing to be able to act on something. Mm-hmm. Be willing to learn along the process. Everybody does that. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to say no. I remember I was appointing one of my my team to lead the, uh, like to take that higher role of leading and he stepped she stepped back was like this is too huge for me you know <laughs> it's because i know she can she can do it but for her she was like thinking like oh it i have to be perfect i have to do these i have to those kind of things so and if you find somebody who don't doesn't have time to do diligence you to kind of pick those potential talents you have inside you you lose, you lose bigger time. Exactly. So for women, 
just just grab opportunity Spirit. there's no gender in it just grab opportunity and be willing to learn along uh, along the way don't yeah. say like oh i have to wait till i become perfect there's no day you'll be perfect no even me myself i started business it's not like i was knowing everything about it i did not know anything i just jumped into it starting doing it and perfecting as as i go and up to up to date i'm perfecting myself and i learn not to say no to opportunities especially when they align with my goals yes, yes. i say yes to this kind of opportunities and i'm willing to learn along along the way so women who are listening to this podcast please don't hold back grab opportunity as long as it aligns with your goal and be willing to learn alongside just like men i found even now i'm having a new staff who convinced me that and i look at the cv and everything and now i'm giving work he's like he needs me to assist in or like it's men thing that that overconfident but yeah <laughs> oh, for sure for sure i love that i, I love that no like you know having that belief that you know you can like i think i love what you said about process and also having that belief that you know you can do it as well um i think it's very important and when people look at you and say okay you are like a portal for them like if she did it um maybe i can start believing myself to do it as well this is this is so good so so good like this these are practical advice like these are things that you can start thinking about how can you make yourself a lot better um how can you start believing in yourself i love that the, everything you recommended is so real and genuine and i can tell like you have actually done something you know <laughs> something. you have so the very last question i like to ask people about this is what do you want um uh your legacy to be what do you want people to remember you i know you're very young you have a long way to go many things are still coming your way more prosperity to you um but what do you want people to remember um about just your work right what you're trying to do at your company or what you're trying to do uh, for the for the community because i think what you're doing it won't won't just have an impact in africa it can can it can have a huge impact across the world it will be a social impact will be an economic impact will be a political revolution I don't want to say that. Yeah, come, come after you. <laughs> but um, I think there'll be a huge ripple effect on uh, what you do. And I was just wondering from your own mind, and I know sometimes, you know, it's good to always think about others and have a difference, like, the difference you want to make in others. Um, if a step, taking a step back, like how do you want your work to reflect uh, in the next generation or in the community? Um, as you continue to build this incredible company and many more companies, hopefully, that comes along the way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So personally, I would really say that I would uh, I want uh, to have a legacy whereby when people read about myself as an entrepreneur or read about my company as a company which has really managed to bring a positive change in the world, but also look at the social impact that our work has managed to uh, impact the communities that we are serving. I want people uh, to have, to see hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the thing that I would really want them to to see hope because with my background, uh, growing, 
like raised with a very like I came up like when I was born I was not poor my father was able to take care of us but circumstances came we were very poor 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 mm-hmm. we couldn't even afford having three meals a day mm-hmm. we couldn't even afford going to school like like I used to walk very long distance to school mm-hmm. go and return and you come back home no food mm-hmm. so I grew up with that kind of situation and going like I don't know in in your world but in Tanzania uh, most of most of young people and this is the hope that I want young people to have women to have <laughs> that everybody who is coming sharing the background like mine to have like you can make it okay. if you work hard you believe in yourself you can work you can make it it doesn't like you don't need to have these godfathers and godmothers to give you link and connection to climb that ladder because for me i didn't have any of those mm-hmm. any of those i did not uh being able to uh maybe able to sell to the let's say to the stores because i knew somebody who connected me there and then that's why i got the green light like that Mm-hmm. I, I was not able to be connected with the, uh, with the Chinese embassy to be able to get the factory because I personally knew somebody or I got the memo from somebody, then they helped me. Yeah. No, I just believed in myself. I just really work hard. I really, really work hard. But also, I just persevered. I did not take one no. Mm-hmm. You have to tell me at least 20 no's to be able to take it as one no. Exactly. So I really want to leave the legacy of hope. Like when people look at me, they say like, I share the same background like this lady. Mm-hmm. I've been in school with this lady. I know there was a time that the municipal was paying for her tuition fee. Mm-hmm. I saw this lady in this, uh, like we brought food to this lady. We know her mother. We know the story of the family. But she's there. So we can, we can all, I can also make it. I can also be there. It's, it's, it's just sit on your hard work. It's just sit on your willingness to do it. And it's, yes. and, 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 and it's just, it just sit on your perseverance to keep pushing. So yes. that's the latest I would really like to leave behind. I feel, I get a sense of Michelle Obama plus Oprah plus. <laughs> <laughs> I get so many inspirations right now. Um, it's actually this African-American lady that wrote this book called, her name is Viola. Um, she's an actress, Viola. What's her first name? And she just came on Oppression. And she had, you know, she was raised by, uh, she, she grew up in abject poverty. And, you know, she talked about her struggles and how she overcame them. And it, it kind of gives me that, um, it gives me the same vibe uh, that you just you just shared with me. And uh, you, are, you are the class of, of so many greats. And, I, I would say I'm lucky to have met you because once you really get, you know, you'll be meeting Obama at the Obama Foundation. I'll be like, I knew, I knew her, I knew her when, I knew her at the Builders of Africa's Future, and and I have I have tape to prove for it, to prove for it. But um, this this was truly, truly, truly inspiring. Um, your story is, I can't wait for people to hear and. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait for you to hear because it's so true, so genuine, and it's so powerful. <laughs> so I really, I really, really thank you for your time, for 
going through all the technical difficulties um, <laughs> for us to be here. But more importantly, for doing the work you do every single day, um, it takes a lot of consistency and just, you know, being at that where you are, there are very few people that are at that level. So just being able to inspire yourself some days, I, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you get up, you have you have to pat yourself in the back and say, Oh man, today's another day, let's go. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's so many days you wake up and you're like, is it morning again? I want it to be just night so that I can get off of this. <laughs> oh man, that is so true. Like, why? Why is it morning? Um but um, it's truly inspiring, and it's a good way to open this series because uh, I'm so I'm so happy. I don't need coffee this morning. I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm